the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Ladies and gentlemen, let's begin. You're listening to the best of oral sessions with Renee Paquette. These clips are handpicked by Renee from her to you. This frequency is. We all want to go big, then say that. Ho! The best of Big E. So you're into meditating. Yeah. I always have a hard time with this. Like yesterday I did yoga and I end up falling asleep. I, I like twitched and like woke myself up. Yeah. What is like the key? Is it sitting up? I was laying down for this. So I was kind of falling into a trap. That could be it. She made me. I was not in control. <laughs> she made me lay down. For me, it's not something that like changes your life the first time you do it. But I think it's just a matter of being consistent. My problem is I, for too long, I'm too either caught up in the past or thinking about the future. That's a constant battle. But uh, it just helped me stay present. And being grateful, especially with 2020 and with the amount of loss and just everything being so turbulent, it helps center me and remind me that, man, you're still young-ish. Uh, you're healthy. You still got it. I still, you know, I got some. You still got I it. got some. <laughs> but uh, it just allowed me to be grateful for this present moment and what I do have. And, you know, you, you got a good life and it could be easy for anyone to lose sight of that, you know. And I think, too, of, uh, you know, when you first start or you, you kind of make it or you're doing something you really enjoy and it feels fun and exciting. But over time, you can kind of lose that excitement and it becomes old hat and just routine. It's just easy to lose your gratitude for what you're able to have in your life and what you've accomplished. So meditation just helps to remind me just of all the good things I have in life to be present and to be thankful for this moment. Yeah. You know, it's, it is really funny to be able to like remind yourself of that while you're in it. I think that was something that came down to me ultimately stepping away from WWE was getting so comfortable and feeling like I needed to challenge myself and coming up with some new things. I mean, I I always enjoyed my time there. I, you know, I had a great time in WWE, but I feel like now when I look back at it, there are certain things I'm like, man, we were really lucky. Like what a good time that was. And like friends that we made and things that we're able to do on the road. Like it's such a, I feel like I just have a different perspective of it now, especially that I'm out of it and doing something new and like now restarting a whole new thing. But it, yeah, it just gives like a whole new perspective of like gratitude of what you've been able to accomplish and do throughout the years. It's fun. Oh, for sure. We're lucky. Yeah, we are. But for me too, it's, it's also like easier now that everything is so slow. When you're like, oh, I slept two hours and I'm on this plane and I'm exhausted and I have to go home and I have a day to just get my stuff done and be back on the road for another six days. I get how it's easy to lose sight of that. And like, I was definitely that. But now that things have slowed down, I'm able to kind of spend more time just thinking about things. Trying to meditate in a hotel room seems like a nightmare too. Yeah, no thanks. Knocking on the door. Exactly. Excuse me. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no. I'm good. alone. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst. Um, Okay, so on to some wrestling things. Dude, what a time for you right now. What a time. You are just crushing it. And it just feels like the perfect timing of like someone just putting in the time, grinding away, quite literally in your case. Um, (laughs) Well done. (laughs) But just looking at where you are and like the, obviously like the fan base is so behind you. You can tell the whole company is behind you. 
it's really fun to watch you thrive in that moment. Do you feel like it's very much that like preparation and timing coming together for you in this moment? I think so. But in the same vein, I'm also someone who just like bristles at compliments. And it's also a weird time because our in wrestling, your fans are your barometer. And that's the beautiful thing is that a crowd in Jackson, Mississippi may respond differently from a crowd in Sacramento or a crowd in Baltimore. And when you can hit all these different towns and it keeps working and they're loud, then I feel like that's when you know, hey, I got something good here. It's working. But now we we don't have that. So you got to go off the Internet, which can be a scary place. <laughs> it's just dark and lurid. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's I, I can't imagine anyone being mean to you on the Internet. That must not happen to you very often. I don't see it. And I'm just wondering if all the quality filters just just made my life <laughs> real rosy. Like, let's let's take out all the bad that doesn't exist. Thank God for those quality filters. Shit. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's my assumption. But no, the feedback seems to have been good. But it's also it's weird to say, yeah, I'm having an awesome run and people are loving it because there's, there's no one yelling like, hey, we love you in in the arenas. So I don't know. What about for like for for Kofi and for Woods? I mean, what's their reaction to you now finally getting this like huge singles push? They've always been supportive and I always appreciate that. And, uh, you know, Woods was out at the time when we first did the single stuff. But, you know, Kofi was there. And as soon as we, we both heard together, he was so genuinely happy for me and excited about like whatever would come. I can't imagine being in a group with two more selfless people. And that's what I've always appreciated is it can be easy in this business to be selfish and to just worry about your own push. But I love the fact that we're always so genuinely supportive of each other and our projects, whether they be in WWE or outside of the company, whatever it is. And they were there for me. And I appreciate that. Man, you guys all hustle so much, especially like on the outside of, of the company too. Just so you guys are always doing stuff. I mean, that's Woods. It would. Kofi's always doing stuff too. And I'm like, I'm over here twiddling my thumbs. They're over there. Like they got multiple kids. Like you got more than one kid. You got a wife, you go home and then you got these side projects. Kofi's doing uh, sneaker stuff. And then he was so busy when he had the world title. Woods is always doing his gaming stuff. And I'm going home to just lay on the couch. But this is the life that I want. This life that I've crafted, you know, for myself is to be able to sit alone at home and, and watch stuff. So don't judge me. What did you learn from Kofi's run that are things that you want to either change or that you would like to apply to this moment that you're in right now? I think one of the things that I really respected was that Kofi, there were so many times where he could have just made it about himself and he was still always trying to include the three of us. And that I really appreciated, you know, because it was it was his moment, honestly. And we were fortunate enough to be along for the ride. And I'm glad we got to do the storyline with the gauntlet match and the tag team, the tag team gauntlet match where we got to kind of get Kofi into. I, I felt like that was, that was cool, insane. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the reaction for that was really cool, too, because, I, you know, in wrestling, it's always about like which faction member is going to screw the other. And it was cool because we never do like real moments of like brotherhood and sacrificing for the other. So that was cool. And just just seeing how hard he worked in and out of the ring, like he was on all the time. He was on everything. I think the night he won the title, I don't think he slept at all. And not because he was like out partying, but because he was up. And then by the time he got done with everything, he went back to the room. And then I think they had him like do the Today Show or some right. morning show and then do, do, yeah. do the whole morning media and we're on SmackDown. I, I want to say, yeah, SmackDown was supposed to be later in that week. And they called him in to do Raw. So instead of like, all right, I have Monday to decompress after doing all this media. 
So, nope, we got it. We need you on Raw. You got this promo seg and this match. So he was just constantly going. You never see him like shaken or upset. I've never seen him in a bad mood ever. I don't know how that's possible. I don't think I've ever seen him. I have never seen him in a bad mood. I don't no, think. No, me either. It's wild. Oh, I thought you meant like he is, and I no, missed it. no, I no, like, no. I just not see. No, that? I don't. No, I mean you're <laughs> <Just> right. <kidding. laughs> I will say when it comes to video games, he's a horrible sport. When he wins and loses, that's the one time he'll be pissed. I've seen that in up, up, down, down. Yes, fair that's enough. The, that's about the hey, only we, time, though. I think all three of you are kind of like that. I've never really seen any of you guys in like bad moods. No, are you getting are you getting warm in your cardigan? It didn't take long. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm getting, it's like hot in this room and right now too. I'm just, I'm dealing with it. It's fine. That's cool. I am definitely more, I guess, more temperamental. Woods and I definitely are a little bit more, but I, I try to be mellow, but you know, sometimes people just, boy. I would love to see you snap on somebody. That would be amazing. Like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that's what the meditation's for. So I, so I don't do that. that yeah, would yeah. Be right. um, how do you see your WrestleMania moment going? I know everyone is rallying and they really want to see Big E versus Roman Reigns. If you could do your perfect mania moment, how do you see that going? When you look at the WWE uh, pecking order, he's, he's at the very top and having that match is the biggest moment. And I hope we're at a point in another month or two where I feel like I'm established enough and I'm hot enough where it makes sense. In the same vein, I have no idea what the plan is. And I also want this to feel earned. I think sometimes you can get too much too soon. And that's also weird to say for someone who's been around for eight years. Like, I don't feel like I just came up and they just handed me this world title opportunity. But like, obviously, gun to my head, it's, it's a match with Roman for the world title. You've been really exceptional on Talking Smack. Um, and I think for people that have maybe not gotten to hear you just speak, we're like blown away of just like, you're so smart. You're so eloquent, the way that you put things together. And um, I mean, I remember early on, I think it was actually maybe right when Talking Smack came back and you and Miz had a moment and you had been able to like really use your platform to just talk about some of the things that are going on in the world, um, to talk about even just your own placement within WWE. Like how important is it for you to take those moments to really like say something important? Do you think about that when it's happening? Cause I know talking smack really just kind of happens on the fly, but you handle those situations really beautifully. Well, thank you. Um, I, I guess I don't spend time like trying to collect my thoughts. These are, these are just things that are in my head already. Um, the Miz stuff was great. And I think Miz is really exceptional in that role. And I think people gravitate towards those moments because they feel very real and honest. And obviously what we do is entertainment and we put on a TV show, but it feels like a, a moment where you can just kind of go where there aren't the same restrictions you'd, you'd have on TV. A lot of the issues that, that I talked about with Miz, I very much felt. And we talked a bit about Kofi's run. This was not that far after uh, George Floyd's murder. And I, I tend to think, even though I'm trying my best to be present, I tend to think of my future and what I want my life to be. And, you know, just a lot of existential angst about why we're even here on this spinning rock. And I guess I think if my life is just about what I've accumulated for myself and what I've earned, and it's just very selfish, then like me being here for however long I'm here was kind of pointless. So I tend to think of like, how can I make some kind of positive impact on the world I'm in? And that's kind of been my search as of late, especially after the passing of George Floyd is kind of where, what can I do? 
Um, and oftentimes I feel like I'm not the biggest name. I don't have the most enormous uh, fan base, but I can do something. I have a platform. I have a modicum of fame, celebrity, whatever you want to call it. And I also want to let people know, like, if, if you're you're hurting your pain after seeing George Floyd's passing, after seeing unrest, after, like, I feel that same pain. Like, I'm not above crying or or feeling uh, the the pain that a lot of black and brown people felt as well. So I, I just wanted to express that it. it was important for us to uh, to express that I feel that as well. So a lot of my mindset as of late is, uh, you know, what kind of positive impact can we make here in dismantling racism, in leveling out inequalities? Um, there's just a lot that we can do. There will be a time, maybe in the next few years, where no one cares to know my name, where I'm not on TV anymore. But right now, I have a bit of an opportunity and I can say something. And even if it only reaches two or three people, it's reached someone. Um, so that that was my thing. I just, I think for too long, I felt kind of helpless. Like, man, I can't really do anything. I can't raise millions of dollars, but maybe I can make a dent in something. Maybe I can expose someone to something they hadn't heard before. And that's kind of, we, we started wearing the um, Schoolhouse Rock inspired gear, but I thought Schoolhouse Rock impacted so many people. It's something they remember many years later, decades later. But what if we did something like that for Black activists, for just important Black figures? Um, I think it's just something that oftentimes in school, we don't get to learn much about. Like I was an African, African-American lit minor in college, and I feel like I'm fairly attuned to a lot of this stuff. And there was so much that I was learning that I hadn't been exposed to. And I thought, you know, it's not going to be for everyone. Not everyone's going to learn something, but maybe uh, someone sees Ruby Bridges on my gear and is curious and looks up her story. And that was just kind of uh, kind of our thought. Like, we're not going to topple this or solve all these problems in a week or two. And I wanted to continue these these conversations and just, um, you know, it's, it's kind of just what's been on my mind as of late. And uh, yeah, that's kind of been my direction. Okay, my final question. You said you were an African-American lit Major? Minor. Minor. What are some books that you suggest we read? I'm kind of embarrassed. I used to be a voracious uh, reader and writer, and I fell off. It's embarrassing. Um, I will say my favorite book for a long time, it's real satire. It's called Erasure by Percival Everett. is one of my favorite books ever. And actually, um, I know Bianca posted this thing where she was looking for book recommendations a while ago, and I suggested that. But it's it's very funny. It's uh, lewd at times, but lewd for a reason. So it's not. I'm making it out to be worse than it is. It's it's sarcastic and funny, but it's uh, Erasure by Percival Everett is one of my favorite books, and it's kind of like that's my level of comedy. That's what I enjoy. All right, perfect. Well, everyone, check out that book. Um, thank you for taking the time to join me here on Oral Sessions. It's great to see you. I know <laughs> it's been too long. I know it's our, I'll see you soon. I'll see you at some point. No one ever just leaves WWE. I'm sure I'll end up back there at some point. Yeah, they just keep bringing you back. <laughs> they always bring you back. Um, well, enjoy the rest of your time off. Enjoy your meditation and your headspace and in uh, loving you, E. <laughs> Thank you very much. This felt a bit therapeutic and I appreciate that. It was. I like that. That was actually a lot of fun. I had no idea really where this conversation was going to go, but it did get a little therapy-ish and I enjoy that. I'm okay with Those that. Those are the shows I like to listen to. So I'm going to turn this into a therapy show. Good, good. And provide bullshit <laughs> answers to people. <laughs>
That's what we expect. That's what we want from you. <laughs> With big fights every week, there's never been a better time to give FanDuel Sportsbook a shot and join the action on FanDuel Fight Nights. Because right now, you can place your first bet risk-free. That's right. You're going to get up to 1000 bucks back if you don't win. FanDuel gives you so many bets to choose from. There's parlays, round props, method of victory bets, and so much more. FanDuel is the number one rated sportsbook app in America. It's incredibly easy to use. It's such a no-brainer. Plus, it's safe and secure and real quick, fast payouts. You get that money right back in your pocket ASAP. One of my favorite features. You got to stay rich, you know, keep that money in your bank account. This app is so easy to use that when you win, you actually get paid in as little as two hours. So with FanDuel in your corner, you'll always get exclusive odds boosts, great promotions, and so much more to make your FanDuel fight night even more exciting. That is why they are America's number one sports book. So sign up with the promo code Renee to bet risk-free up to $1,000 on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. That is promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-270-71117 for confidential help in Michigan. TN Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Busy as all hell, obviously. I mean, you win the WWE Championship, you cash in the Money in the Bank contract, you rock everyone's freaking minds, uh, and now you're just doing all of the media, right? Everyone wants a little piece of Big E. Honestly, probably because of the pandemic, it hasn't been too crazy, because I'm sure I, I would have been flying to certain locales. But, I mean, I guess the other end of that spectrum is now that everyone knows you're easily available on Zoom, it's just, you got to do all the interviews. So, uh, but yeah, like I'll, I'll do them from the comfort of my home, but yeah, it's not bad. I mean, that's like a, both like a blessing and a curse. It's nice to be able to work from home. I do all of my shit from home now. So it's great, but it also is like, oh my God, like it puts you in like a weird mindset. Like working from home's a trip. Do you find that when you like have to flip on the camera and you're just like, I don't know, walking from like one room to another or like you stay central. You don't like move around, but do you like get weird about people seeing inside your house or anything? I used to. I used to definitely. But then I realized all the houses in my neighborhood and like in Florida are kind of built the same anyways. And I have I have nothing of note on my walls. So you you like it it looks like a model home. So there's really (laughs) I realize like no one really cares. No one's going to know. There's nothing really intimate here. So I kind of got over that. As you can see by looking at my back wall, (laughs) there's nothing there. There's nothing on the walls. It's a Beautiful beige wall. Thank you very much. It's looked exactly the same for the last eight years, uh, and I'm not going to change. There are people who try to send me things to hang up on the wall. Uh, I don't really eat cheese anymore. It's going to be a long story they don't care about. Boo. I know. I do care about it, actually. I love dietary things. I'm, I'm trying to cut down on my dairy consumption. Trying to get those abs to pop. You know, I'm working on it. 
But uh, so I found this. I don't know why, but I think I was randomly on Instagram and I have another friend. We just send like cheese pole videos because we both <laughs> love cheese. So stupid. Uh, actually, it's Emilio's the one who introduced me to her years ago, Nicole. Um, but anyways, I, I found this picture of a cheeseburger, just this gorgeous picture of a cheeseburger. And I think I was kind of like taunting Becky about, you know, just this is because she's vegan. This is such a beautiful picture of a cheeseburger that I would hang it on my wall. And because she has a zany sense of humor, a week or two later, she sends me uh, via Etsy. She sends me the exact same picture of that cheeseburger blown up on a canvas. And uh, I refuse to put it on my walls. It just kind of leans against a wall. But yeah, she thought it was the funniest thing in the world when I told her. But wouldn't it be so funny if like, say, I mean, we got into like your whole like dating world conversation the last time you were on the show, but like you are on a date and you like bring someone to the house and the sole piece of artwork is just like this canvas cheeseburger. If you're 35 years old and you have nothing else, this is the one thing you value. Like this is the one thing in your life, not, not aunts, uncles, parents, kids, like not even you as a kid. Let me put this picture of a cheeseburger. That's the only thing on my wall. I would think something is terribly wrong with this human and I would flee. You could think that there's something wrong with them. Or like, I would go to like the psychological side and be like, dude, like, cause I would just assume based off of your physique. I'm like, does this dude just not had a cheeseburger in forever? Is this why he is honoring it so much? <laughs> what is happening here? I would feel bad for you. I'd be like, just eat the fucking burger, man. Like, have it. Treat yourself. Treat your damn self. You might be onto something. I might yeah. be. Um, okay, so walk me through the day. Give me the goods. You know you're cashing. And actually, wait, let's just roll it back to you putting out the tweet that you are going to be cashing in the money in the bank contract because I got very excited about this. This does not normally happen in the world of wrestling where it's a little telegraph to what's going to happen. How'd you feel about this? I didn't know I was going to raw until that Saturday. So we had already probably Saturday afternoon. So we had, we did the show in New York and I was driving from New York to DC. And then I just got a call that, you know, my travel and everything was adjusted. So I was like, okay, I'm going to raw. But it wasn't until like Monday afternoon, pretty much right before I sent the tweet that it was like, all right, all systems are go. And this is, this is what we're doing. So pretty much from then on, it feels like my life change uh, because everything has been so much more hectic had a bunch of people reach out and do interviews that monday like it's like all right we need to do these interviews monday afternoon it's like nothing's been done yet i just sent out a tweet but like it was already things were already in motion you know how it is in in our industry you don't really know until it happens so i always kept waiting for some kind of a, a swerve or a segment to run too long or something to happen um that i have to backpedal or maybe just even lose the, the briefcase so Ugh. uh I, I know. Did you think that was maybe a possibility? No. I don't want this to sound arrogant, but a part of me did. But a larger part of me thought there's no way this is going to happen because people would lose their minds. Like people, people would be upset. There would be riots. Yeah. People would trip. That's not good heat. That's not like compelling. Ooh, let me watch. That's that's like, all right, you've let me down once more. Heat. It's funny. I was t just talking to Emilio about this and I had responded to some people on Twitter who thought that I did like an interview. So I was like saying, I hate when I do interviews and something gets taken out of context and becomes a headline, whatever. But I don't even know which website it was. Maybe you never saw it. Who cares? But it was a thing saying like that. I said that it was just for ratings and blah, 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 which like to that point, I was like, no, I'm saying because Big E is the shit 
Of course you want him to have the title. He's the story. Yes. But when things get taken out of context like that, again, because in the wrestling world, you don't want to be let down again. And this was a moment that everyone got what they wanted and it was magical. And that's the thing that you want in professional wrestling. You don't get it all the time, but when you get it, it's the time to celebrate. Exactly. And I think, too, obviously, you know, titles and reigns and all that stuff is important, too. But I think what's magical about our business is the moments. And you want like making those moments and having them crescendo the right way. That's that's the reason I think people love professional wrestling. Oftentimes you have to sift through a lot of stuff that's not always the best. But when it's right and when it's done right, it's beautiful. And, and like to backtrack a little bit, I had a few people send me the headline of your and I already knew I didn't even click on it because I know you and I knew the way. And that's that's also the nature. And I get I'm not here to like point fingers at whoever wrote the headline or who wrote the article. I understand that's how that's how people click on things like, oh, that's if, if you had a very reasonable take that a thousand people had already said, it's not really going to get much attention. I had like I had friends who aren't even in the wrestling business send me it to. And oh I said, my God. I know, I know. And I was that like, makes me relax. So sad. That like really <laughs> yes. bugs me out. I'm like, oh, my what? Get no, but you're good. And I, and I and I knew it. And I was like, I didn't even click on it because I knew. The way it was framed, I'm sure I knew I know you and I knew. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't even worried about it. And I've said stuff, too, before. Oh, that makes me so sad. I'm like, he probably never even saw it. You're like, no, actually, a bunch of people. I saw it many, many <laughs> times because it was sent to me by a lot of people. But no, like, I don't. Oh, and I, I get it. I get it. No, but it was it was more than fine. And, and I knew if I clicked on it and actually read the quote, yeah. I'm sure you would have. Yeah. So I didn't worry about it. Oh but yeah, my that's, God. that's just kind of the nature of, um, I suppose, reporting or journalism, especially in, in wrestling. So eh, it is what it is. I hate things like that so much. Like I was, I was just um, I just had Anthony Smith on the show and it was him. I was talking to about this, about like that feeling after you walk away from an interview and you're like something I said can be taken out of context. Like, is that going to be a headline? When I see my name in a headline, it honestly makes my stomach turn. I'm like, no, I don't like I don't like being a part of any of this shit. It freaks me out. Like it all makes me feel very uncomfortable. Uh, but yeah, when it's something like that, especially about like a dear friend of mine, I'm like, okay, everyone <laughs> pump the brakes. Everyone calm down. Anyways, who cares about that? You're the WWE champion and it's the best thing ever. So run me through more of the day. What else happened? Uh, I'm trying to remember and everything was such a blur. Okay. So Monday, so I was at the gym. I sent the tweet uh, and then had to finish up and then headed over to Boston. And, you know, it's, uh, I, I guess when you think of, I think of memorable cash-ins. I was there with Dolph, which was the night after Mania. Uh, I think of uh, Seth's too, was at Mania. And so, you know, if I had to pick one, it probably would be, would have been something like that. You know, just one of the bigger shows where you have, you know, maybe 100,000 people. Like that, those are, are cash-ins that are very memorable as opposed to, you can argue that it was just a, a random raw. But I will say the nice part was I, I do have some real Boston connections. So it was cool. Like when, when I realized, all right, it's going to be here in Boston. You know, there's the fact that Kofi's from Boston. Um, my sister, unfortunately, was so last minute. Um, she couldn't get there. But I have a sister who lives in Boston. My other sister just moved from Boston where she'd lived a while ago. My mom went to BC and Tufts. So I was like, OK, at least this isn't this isn't a town that I have no connections to. And it's random. So I was um, it was cool when I realized, all right, it's Boston. I have some real roots here. 
Once I got to the building, it was just going the entire time, just knocking things out, doing segments, backstage stuff, trying to figure out my travel, because then uh, instead of going home Tuesday, now you're sticking around and doing the bump Wednesday morning, which meant um, I was just going to I stayed in Brooklyn Tuesday and then drove up early Wednesday morning from Brooklyn to Connecticut. So just trying to get my life together and figure out some kind of a schedule. I also had this leak in my house and I I (laughs) left. Yeah. And I I left for the loop and I was like, all right, I think I'm going to be fine. These are things that people don't care about, but I live alone. And now instead of, I had this, I kept pushing back this appointment. I was like, these people are going to just never work on my AC again. Thankfully I got home in time and it's just, these are adult, like boring things that people don't tell you when you buy a house that you have to do all the time. Dude, I know it's a nightmare. Yeah, I needed. I guess the drain line needed to be cleaned out because was a leak in and thing. It wasn't too bad, but I just didn't want to get home and have my uh, spare bedroom underwater or anything. But yeah, everything was good there. But yeah, it's just uh, just trying to get my life in order is all it's been since scheduling things and whatnot. Cool. It's so it to me when I talk about it. It feels boring when I'm talking about all the things I'm doing. It's like, oh, this this is all very boring. But this is this is what I do now. Has it like sunk in of like that feeling of like, I'm the guy now. You're the guy. And I know it's been like a long time coming. You know, this was like a thing that I had said with the thing that got taken out of context. Uh, but it's like the thing that's so cool about your your cash in and your win and you as WWE champion is like you being that homegrown guy. Through WWE, I mean, you coming in through NXT, people have been such a part of your career from the get-go. People want to attach themselves to that, to be able to watch you when you started at NXT. Um, And, you know, like we were saying, it's like sometimes you got to sift through the bad to get to the good. And I mean that in terms of like, you know, from all sorts of programming to like who's getting the push, when's it stopping, what's going on, to like these ebbs and flows of your career to finally getting that cash in. It's just so cool to be able to see it. But has that moment sunk in? I mean, over your decade tenure of your time in WWE to be there. I suppose it has sunk in. I don't know. Like for me, I I don't want there ever to be a moment where I feel like I had an I made it moment where like, all right, you've done it. And now you're you're good. You can coast because I just I think that's like when that's when you stop growing. That's when you stop getting better. That's when you just kind of, you know, nothing good comes from that. So for me, I suppose in the sense of I don't necessarily feel a pressure, but I know there's an added responsibility. So for me, it's still just go out there and perform to the best of your ability. And that's always been my perception. But I I do think, you know, there there are ways that um, I think I want to just tweak a little bit of, you know, just my presentation. When you're the guy, it's a little bit different than when you're in a three-man group, you know, working tag matches. So I think just the way I carry myself will be a little bit different. But, um, you know, that's all a a feel thing. And just uh, I always feel like every performer should have an internal barometer and you should have an understanding of when to change things or, or when you like, you know, you should have an understanding of how the fans are reacting to you on a weekly basis. So for me, that's just a matter of feeling things out. But it's nice that there's this new challenge. And that's all I really wanted in my career is to not feel bored or stale And I'm glad like we have something new to attack. And uh, yeah, it's nice that, you know, there are a bunch of things that I never, you know, like the Goldberg match when I was making, you know, making my stupid little comments about uh, big meaty men. I never really thought I'd get the Goldberg match. But now I sit in a position where, you know, maybe if I make enough noise, he's still under contract. We can get that done. And, you know, people will feel different ways about it. I understand that. And I appreciate fans who have an affinity to the performers who are there on the house shows working every single night, you know, because I feel like we are the heart of this company. You know, we're the, we're the ones that keep this thing going. 
But in the same vein, like, man, if someone throw, were to throw a bundle of cash at me at age 50 to work like two or three times a year, who, who am I to turn that down? Um, so we'll see. But yeah, it's um, I suppose it, it has hit me in a sense, but I don't think anything vastly changes from the way I approach like my job. It's just now you're going to be in, in more segments and a little bit more spotlight on you, but uh, it's going to be fun. What are some of the conversations that you've had with Kofi heading into this? I mean, has he bestowed any kind of uh, knowledge onto you of being in this position? Kofi is the best and the worst in the sense because Kofi's not the type to give you advice. I mean, if, if I were to ask for it, like seriously ask for it, I'm sure he would have a word or two, but he's... I appreciate him. And, but you know, his perspective has just been like, you know what you're doing, you know, wrestling, it's still wrestling. The ring is still 20 by 20. But what I love about Kofi is I was able to observe him as champ. And I saw the way he, I know the, the night that he won the title, uh, I don't think he slept at all because he was up early the next morning doing media. I know the way he handled himself. So I was able to, he's a lead by example type, you know, like a, a quiet leader, that's Kofi. So uh, I just have a ton of respect for the way he handled things. And also, you know, with the title, even though he realized like I have to step up and be the guy, he still did a great job of pulling me and Woods in when he could so it never felt and that's what I love with our group is I want to make sure it never feels like one of us is the leader and the other two have to take a step back and I get you know there are different roles there are times where it'll just have to be me just solely me out there performing and thankfully you know us being on different brands was a bit of a gift and a curse you know we hated it initially but I got used to just coming out alone to having singles matches alone to not having them there and I think we were all able to mature and grow in different ways because we were apart. Yeah. I mean, especially during like the, you know, the COVID, I just, when you said that, I just pictured you doing your like barrel roll down the, with like <laughs> yeah, the plexiglass yeah. beside you. It's like, yes. You do what you gotta do and you figure it out. Um, exactly. <laughs> what was the moment in Gorilla before you ran out? Like that was really cool. So for me, I was pretty placid. I, I knew what I was doing. Did you have the word placid? No one says placid. I like that. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I don't want to get into my love for words, but it's a, it's been a lifelong affair. But anyways, I think it was probably maybe the last 10 minutes or so. I just ended up sitting down on a cooler in Gorilla. And then, of course, without me asking for them or, or beckoning them at all, Kofi ended up slowly, without even me realizing, ends up sitting down. Uh, and I think it was Drew Gulak was sitting next to me. And I love Drew, too. And Drew, I think as Woods was coming in, just got up so Woods could sit down. And I, I always tell those guys some of my very favorite moments in wrestling are mid-show or mid-match when the three of us are able to have our little powwows. Like sometimes in multi-man tag matches when everyone's bumped to the floor and you're just down for a second. Sometimes there are moments where we're all just able to like steal a moment together. I felt like we were in school because I look across. We're all three sitting in gorilla just watching the monitor and talking. And I don't necessarily remember anything specifically that was said, but those guys are just always there for me. And uh, man, that means a lot. I guess I never really assumed that would be a thing in wrestling. You know, it's a, it's a pretty selfish pursuit for the most part, especially with the amount of time that you're gone, being away from people. And, and you know, like we all, like I didn't sign my WWE contract with a tag partner when I got signed 12 years ago. I did this alone. And uh, I just love the fact that we've been able to build what feels like a family, yeah. you know, like three guys who genuinely root for each other and we want the best for each other in and outside of the ring. And the fact that we're over seven years in and aren't at each other's necks and still really care about each other is, is really dope. So we just had like 10 minutes 
to uh, just kind of be there and, and talk. And the one thing I do remember is, and, and Woods ended up posting it, but I had the Money in the Bank briefcase, I think, to my left. And he had the idea to, oh, let's take a picture the how it started. So it was all three of us. Here's the briefcase. And then uh, how it's going now or how it ended or whatever. Uh, and there's the WWE title afterwards, uh, after I got back uh, after the match and everything. So uh, I'm just uh, beyond appreciative of those two just always being there for me. And that's like, it's cool to have, you know, just that's love. That's, that's brotherly love. And that's a, that's a cool thing. And I'm grateful for it because it's been a really, you know, obviously ups and downs, but man, I've had a, I've had a good career that I can be really, I'm really proud of. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. One of the absolute best. I feel like that 10 minutes in Gorilla where you're all sitting there must've been an interesting energy where you're like some cool shit's about to happen, but I'm trying to keep my composure and like that sort of like buzz. Were you like aware of sort of that like sandal, like the moment sort of feels like your time is standing still or you're like waiting to like go out your music to hit? Again, I uh, I talk way too much about meditation, but it's really helpful. So it's uh, it really just allows me to instead of being anxious or jumping at that opportunity, I just tried my best to be present because those 10 minutes prior to going out, I'll never have that time again. Just to be able to sit in that moment and be present was was really cool. So I tried my best to just kind of empty my mind to be calm. But man, I guess one of the fears I had, not a, a slight fear, was because fans had seen me so much because of all the previous segments that maybe by the time I actually went out to cash in, that maybe the reaction would be, uh, maybe it'd be, it might be a little tepid. But yeah, that was not the awesome. case. And that, yeah. pop, that pop was great. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there are times where I feel like I'm not even performing. Like I'm, uh, it's almost out of body where someone else is taking me over. And when I slapped Bobby, I was like, I don't know who this person is. That's not me. But I was I was so fired up because and again, this makes me think of like, I feel bad for Drew because so much of Drew's reign was during this pandemic. And it makes me so incredibly grateful that that was not my reign because it's. Yeah. Sorry, Drew. John did the same thing. John had the same thing as well over at AEW. And yeah, it's like you feel for the champs that get their moment and they're doing it all. And they're like, you know, just feeding to hard cam where it's like shit. Like it sucks to not have that energy around you and to get that big payoff. You know, I mean, yeah, exact same thing for Drew. It's like he's been at it for so long. Finally, he's the guy. And it's like you got to check on Twitter to see how people feel. Instead of being able to feel it in person. Um, so two things. One, one of my favorite videos is like a fan video. It's like this aerial overhead where you're up celebrating on the turnbuckle and just how fast. They was. are booking it. They are flying. I swear. So fast. Could you, I, I kept picturing like a Titus O'Neil, someone wipes out, goes under the <laughs> But like such a cool moment uh, that you got to like celebrate all that with them. But I mean, just to have that energy and like you can just, it's so authentic, everything between the three of you and your, your cash in you as a champion now, like it's all this authentic, organic, really beautiful thing that doesn't come around that often. So it's, it's really cool to like be a fan watching it. Yeah. That's, that's a nice thing. And I always thought, and that's kind of always been our premise in our minds, especially when we were struggling to get the group off the ground is that regardless of what the gimmick is, even if it's not a great gimmick, I think we have a very real, even in 2014, when we first started, I thought we had a very real bond and a very real chemistry that I think people would see coming, you know, it would come across on screen. And I think that's been a, 
big reason for our success is uh, I think people realize how genuine it is. And we also don't shut up about it, too. So there's 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 that. <laughs> but I, I just love that we also can tell stories in a different way. I don't think it's it's not very common in wrestling that you can tell the story of brotherhood. Like uh, a couple of years ago when we were we did the tag team gauntlet to get Kofi the mania match with Brian. I thought that was a really cool way to tell a story. I can't think of another time where baby faces work their asses off to get someone else a title opportunity. And it felt so good, especially the Usos come down after we're, we have this, we're probably at least half an hour into this grueling gauntlet match and they forfeit and the place goes crazy and people still love that moment. Um, so I, I just love that we're in a position now where we can just tell stories with a group in a different way. And it doesn't have to be about someone trying to supplant uh, the other as leader. And it's not about backstabbing. It's just about three dudes who want the best for each other. And what a cool time to be able to see the New Day versus the Bloodline. I mean, that's one of those things. That's like goosebumps of you guys standing across the ring from each other. Like, holy shit. Yeah, no, I love that. And I wish we had more time and more build and hopefully we'll be able to revisit it because obviously it didn't really conclude. And I don't think and not the most satisfying, not saying it was bad, but I hope we can do it again. More and, and do there. it with proper, Yes. Uh, but we have such a we just have such a great history with the Usos. I have so much respect for those guys. I think they're easily I don't know. I'm, I hate compiling lists and whatnot and who's the greatest, but they're definitely in the conversation for greatest tag team of all time. They're incredible. And Big Us, uh Roman is, is doing. uh just absolutely incredible work. Uh, the stuff he's been doing the last year has been incredible. So it's been really cool just to have that moment. Even I love that hot tag moment where we both slowly start to get into the ring as well and just feeling fans start to build. So uh, I love now that we're in a position and it's fresh, man. That's the beautiful thing, too, is I haven't been in this position of working title. I've never had a title match until a couple of weeks ago. So there are so many guys that I haven't really been in the ring with, especially as a singles, or I haven't been I haven't been positioned the same way. So now we just have so many different fresh matchups and I'm excited about it. and we have the draft coming up, too. So it'll be interesting to see how people crisscross and whatnot. It is that freshness of like getting a new perspective and getting new eyes. And it, it is hard to do that. I mean, when you have, you know, the roster is the roster. There's only so many different versions of things that you can do. So to be able to see things through a new lens and in this new perspective is, is really, really fun to be able to watch. Um, cashing in on Bobby. How, how, like, how did you feel about that being the, the situation of you, uh, of you cashing in? It wasn't something I thought about at the time, but I, I, we're the first, it's the first time that a black WWE world champion has taken the title from another black WWE world champion, which is pretty cool. And hopefully this is becomes a more commonplace thing. So much like, does it feel that way? I think so, especially looking at our roster now and you see so many, even like outside of W, I think it's just a great time for black wrestlers. There's just so many of us who are really good and talented. And uh, that was pretty cool. Also, Bobby was the one contemporary guy when I got signed 12 years ago. He was the guy that I was watching a ton of film on because, you know, that was a guy similar to me in build. And he was what I aspired to be in many ways. So I remember just watching a lot of him and Cena, I think, had a United States championship program. I watched a ton of. So, yeah, man, I, it's it's cool to see Bobby in his mid 40s. I don't know how that's possible. I had no idea. Like when it was just his birthday recently, I was like, damn, Bob, like, get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Bob, Bob, respectfully, Bob can still get it. You know, respectfully, uh, respectfully. Yes. <laughs> 
but no, I, I, I love what him and MVP had been doing. I also love the Hurt Business and hopefully those, I would love it if those guys got back together because that's another great uh, faction versus faction opportunity there. I thought he did a phenomenal job as champion. He looked the part, he performed the part. So it, it always means more when you take it from a great champion. One last thing I want to talk to you about is um, your promo after after winning the championship and talking about Brody. What was sort of your reaction to, I mean, just even having like the crowd chanting his name to, you know, just like what your thoughts were thinking about Brody during the day. People chanting his name. I, I had a moment. I think I looked at Woods afterwards, looked at Austin and uh, just kind of I'm getting chills thinking about it and had chills then. I, it was one of those lines that I didn't need anyone to react to. Sometimes you just throw out a line that's just kind of for you and for people at home. And I didn't know if people would get it. But man, it was so heartwarming and almost overwhelming to hear those chants and to know that people knew who I was talking about, that his memory is still alive. And I also love, you know, it's a small thing too, but I never, I never called him Luke, maybe in promos, but he was always Brody. You're not talking about this pro wrestler who died. You're talking about when you're chanting Brody, you're, you're chanting that's my friend. That's my buddy. That's my brother. And I, and I, I appreciated that so much. That meant a lot. I just want to continue to keep his memory alive, you know, that we, that we continue to remember him. And I think what helps when I'm sad or down about him is he was just so, so damn funny. He's so funny. (laughs) And I have so many memories and pictures and videos. There's a lot to smile about with him and there's a lot and his, you know, his beautiful family, his incredible family, Amanda and those two crazy boys of hers are they're still here and they're still thriving. And uh, yeah, so for me, I know Brody was one of the first people to come up to Kofi and congratulate him when he won the title. And I know he would have done the same for me. There are these footprints all throughout my life where Brody's big ass feet are, are, are still <laughs> just just markers of him because uh, we used to train at the yeah. same gym. So every time I go to the gym and I start foam rolling, I think of the times when we were foam rolling together as we worked out uh, here in town. Uh, when I think of Notre Dame football or the Maple Leafs or the Washington football team, like anything, there are just so many times I want to pick up my phone to text him or share something with him, you know, because he was your friend too. How uh, incredible of a human being he was and so giving. And uh, he had this, this crass layer of kind of pretending to be a dick. Deep down, he had such a massive heart. And was such an incredible dude. So uh, that's all, you know, it was just in that moment, I know he would have, he would have been there for me. He would have had an incredible word for me and would have given me a big old hug. And uh, I miss him all the time. And I think one of the things that really helps me too, is just seeing the outpouring of love. Even I think we're at what, nine, about nine months after his passing and still so many people uh, speak so highly of him. So many people still love him wear his shirts. Uh, he, it's cool to know that your friend wasn't just good to you, that they had this incredible impact on so many different people's lives. So, uh, yeah, it felt like the very least I could and should do was just, just to mention, mention him. So, yeah. Amanda had posted a video of little Brody seeing himself in the AEW video game. And he's got the same stats as Brody. And it was like, it was because he's like, why am I stronger than so-and-so? How do I have these? And yeah, man, it's like, because you've got dad's stats. But yeah, just, it's really cool to see that and see like there, you know, his love of wrestling continue to flourish and, and all that. So very cool stuff, dude. Thank you for coming on here uh, yet again. Repeat customer, the WWE champion. I could not be happier for you. 
not a better person to have at the tippy top of this business. So really excited to see this journey for you. Oh, thank you, Nene. I appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed the best of oral sessions. Follow Renee on social media at Renee Paquette and be sure to subscribe to her YouTube channel. Also rate and review this podcast.